for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is June 15th, 2021, and today's guest is Jake Hofer from Exodus Outdoor Gear. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 165. And today's episode is an awesome one, just like every week. But the reason why today's episode is so great is because I'm talking to Jake Hofer from Exodus Outdoor Gear. Now, to give a brief little synopsis of what Exodus Outdoor Gear is, if you don't know, is they are a trail cam company. Um, They are based out of Ohio. Jake works for them, does a great job with them. And Exodus trail cams have been, you know, at the forefront of trail cams or one of the top tier ones for the last couple years, to be honest with you. So if you guys have been living under a rock and have not heard of them, I suggest you go check them out, see what they're all about. They put out a lot of cool content on YouTube and with the white, uh, white tail cribs and all that stuff. It's really cool what they do, but that's not today's podcast. Today's podcast is a talk between Jake and I and how he is actually, he's a resident and born and raised in Illinois, and he's actually taking, hoping to take his first out-of-state trip to Iowa this year, if he draws. So he reached out to me not too long ago and asked me about Iowa, and he wanted to go and you know possibly try an outfitter, and he wanted me to tell him about where I went in Iowa. So to give a kind of a brief backstory on my Iowa trip, if you have not heard this before. So basically how it works is Chad Johnston, 
is a really good friend of mine in Casey's and Chris's, and they've known him for a long time. I've known Chad for five or six, actually probably seven years now. And what Chad is, he owns an outfitter called Midwest Antler Company out in Iowa. And Chad basically gives us a deal that, you know, whenever we draw a tag, then we have a farm that we can hunt out there. And in my case, you know, we have a farm that we lease ourselves. It's not a farm that Chad outfits on or nothing like that. He just lets us basically bunk up with him. Um, that's kind of how my trip and everything went. We had our own lease. He lets us stay in his lodge and we're all good to go. But Jake he reached out to me and was like, Hey, how's, you know, Midwest Handler company. Do you recommend it? I'm like, for sure. 100%. He's got the deer. Chad knows more about deer than, I mean, just about anybody that I know and big deer. He's a big deer killing machine. He's the type of guy that you would never hear anything about. Cause he just really doesn't like being in the limelight kind of thing, but you should see his walls. He's got just giant deer that he's killed over the years with a bow. And the guy knows hunting like crazy. So I'm like, for sure, you need to get a hold of him." Check it out. So he got a hold of him, and he's got some dates booked uh, for him to go if he draws. So the reason why I say if is because this year with COVID and everything happening last year, there's been a culmination of things that people, even for like Kansas, a lot of people didn't draw. So we're thinking Iowa, a lot of people might not draw either. Uh, Jake's got three points going to four. Usually with four points, you're almost guaranteed going to the zone that we go to. I drew with three going to four. So Jake's kind of like on the fence, like, you know, will it happen or, or, you know, who knows? So basically he called me and said, what do you think? And I said, for sure, call him. He's got these dates booked. So today's conversation is talking about, you know, gearing up for a trip to the Holy Land, the trip to where the biggest bucks are in the U.S., and how he is going to, you know, how he's going to prepare for it, what his goals are, what, it, you know, what is it going to take for him to make it a successful trip? Is it like a kill or, you know, an encounter or what it is? We, we cover a ton of stuff in this and it's a really cool podcast. Jake is a super awesome guy. Um, I appreciate him coming on and doing this and reaching out to me and I, and I'm sure we're going to do more of these in, in the, in the future, but uh, I, I just think you guys are going to really enjoy this. It's it's a really cool conversation. So, And I hope he draws. He'll find out soon if he draws or not. So that could change some things. So if he does draw, we might do another podcast talking about, okay, now it's a game time, like go. Let's, you know, break down some more aspects of, you know, traveling to Iowa to hunt and you've got, you know, a four-year tag that you've been putting money in for points like how is this affecting you right now and is it changing your preparation and so on and so forth so that's basically kind of the gist of what today's podcast is all about you guys really enjoy this i think so uh, i guess with that being said i'm going to kick it over this interview with jake and i know you guys are going to enjoy it so thank you very much and uh here's this interview all right welcome back to the fall podcast and today i've got a great guest on a guy that uh I've been talking to for a while now, Jake Hofer from Exodus Outdoor Gear. Jake, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Excited to, excited to record. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, when I talked to you briefly, you know, through text and everything like that, I, I, I had an idea in my mind that I, what, what I want to talk about. And it's, 
something that you have on the brink that you could be doing this year where you're going to be hunting a location that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and you and I've kind of talked about that a little bit on the back end of, you know, social media and text and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to get into it because, um, I guess let's let the cat out of the bag. I mean, you, you're, there's a possibility you're going to Iowa this year where basically right in the same area where I killed the great Hambino. Um, yeah. So I, I want to talk about that. I want to pick your brain if you're good with that. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, if I draw, it's going to be a very tough trip to follow uh, <laughs> after after your success. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, I watched that hunt, and uh, you guys aggressively moved and made it happen. I was like, holy cow, that looks awesome. It looked like a really cool area of Iowa. It's it's so cool. Now, I guess to, I don't know this question, but like or this answer, have you hunted Iowa before? No. So I went to college in Iowa for my freshman and sophomore year um, okay. in Clinton, Iowa. And if anyone's been through Clinton, Iowa, it smells terrible. Uh, there's an <laughs> ADM and there's also a dog food factory. So um, <laughs> I had a full tuition scholarship for two years and uh, it was a for-profit school. And they gave out too many of those because uh, my going into my junior year, they announced that they're no longer uh, they were closing. So I was oh like, yeah. And, and everyone's like, I've never heard of a college closing. Well, that happened to me. And, uh, so then I was in this limbo of like them promising that, uh, everything would transfer. But leading up to the end of my sophomore year, like there was rumors of them closing and they're like, we're not closing all this other stuff. And then they were promising all the credits would transfer and everything would be good. And I was like, you guys already lied once I'm out of here. So I transferred to Western <laughs> Illinois. Okay. I gotcha. So you, you, uh, grew up in Illinois, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Okay, so you're from, in my opinion, the OG Big Buck State. I think Illinois was Iowa before Iowa was Iowa. Is that, would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, in its heyday, it's tough to argue that Illinois was uh, was and still is a special place for big deer. But to me, you know, with Exodus, I've had the ability to walk a lot of really cool farms in Iowa and spend some time in there. And uh, it's it's a multiple times better than Illinois, in my opinion, at least where I'm at. So, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, Illinois is, is great, has been great, and I uh, wouldn't change living here for anything. Yeah, definitely. I I would take I'd go to Illinois and live if I if I had the <laughs> chance. But honestly, I got too many roots here in Michigan that I, I'm not leaving. I'm I'm parked where I'm gonna be forever. So <laughs> I'll just travel out there. Yeah, um, I mean, Illinois, you can buy that uh, archery tag. I'm, literally just about every year. So that's yeah. always, uh, that's a huge benefit. I'll be there this year. It'd be the first time I've hunted Illinois since 2013. So, um, I'm excited. Illinois is one of the, one of the, uh, states, you know, other than Michigan that I've been to that I haven't killed a buck in yet. So, um, it's one of those ones on the, on the check box that I need to need to check that I want to kill a buck in. So that, that hopefully this fall, I'm going to dedicate like to Illinois and mm-hmm. that'll be my, that'll be my plan. That's exciting. Uh, what uh, what time of the year are you coming to Illinois? So it's kind of open. We have a lease there. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of open ended. I mean, I'm typically I really li- like to try to get in that first week of October anywhere. If you can get something, I really love the first week of October. I'm a terrible first week of October hunter, but I mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I really want to try to make a trip that time if my schedule presents. Um, and then, honestly, Casey, there's a good chance that I might be in Iowa with you this year. Um, oh, that's funny you say that. Yeah, because I was talking to Chad and he was like, yeah, uh, Casey's going to be in camp. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if if he draws, I'll be there with you. So, um, if, if he draws, 
this like his Iowa trip, we'll spend a lot of time there. We'll 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 stay there till we kill one. Um, mm-hmm. If it takes two weeks in November, we'll we'll be there. Um, uh, so if 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 all plan goes well, I would like to be in Illinois before the first gun season. Let's just put it that way. I yeah. want to try to get there before the shotguns start blazing and I can get, uh, you know, a couple days in a bow stand, but, uh, I kind of have to take a back seat sometimes, um, to, uh, to my day job. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, that's uh that's certainly a good strategy because as soon as first season comes in Illinois, um, bow hunting is really crappy <laughs> until, yeah, yeah. uh, until it gets really cold. At least that's what I've always experienced. Yep. So I guess let, let's kind of get into, I'm going to, I'm going to let everybody know what we're going to talk about today and you're going to go. So everybody that's kind of listened to my podcast knows when I killed the Hambino in 2019, um, Chad Johnson, he runs an outfitter out there. It's called Midwest Antler Company. I've known Chad for a long time. Casey's known him for even longer. Him and Casey are like really good friends. Chad and I have become really good friends and what Chad has done. Um, he basically will get a lease through him, uh, you know, year to year when we have guys that draw, um, it's not any of his property that he outfits, but he lets us bunk up with him. And, uh, so it's a pretty good deal and he'll run cameras for us and everything out there when we can't get out there. So it's a good, you know, deal for us for Iowa when you can't draw every year. Um, so it's like, Hey, if we know we have a guy drawing this year, next year, two guys, then, um, we usually have the same farm. Usually, uh, we've locked up the Hambino farm. The first year we got it was the year I killed that deer. So we have that farm and that's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be, uh, doing a majority of our hunting as I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to guess. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be um, crazy not to. Yeah. I remember watching that video. There's a lot of, uh, mature bucks running around there. Yeah, sure for sure. Like. Yep, definitely. And so you kind of reached out to me, I don't know, a couple months ago and you asked, uh, some questions about Chad Midwest Antler Company. You said, you know, you're looking for a place to go. Would you recommend it? And I, without a shot of a doubt, that's the place that I would go. Um, he has got the deer. He's got the great lodging. He has got, he knows deer. He's Chad is one of those guys. I've been wanting to get him on the podcast because he's one of those guys that you would never hear anything about. But when you walk into his house, he's got 170s, 180s, 190s. Like it's just he's a big buck killing machine. Um, mm-hmm. and he won't even chase a deer now until it's, he thinks it's 175. You know, it's just like, that's, and I'm like, damn you, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting to graduate to that level. I'm still <laughs> me too. Many, many rungs down. <laughs> yeah. So when you kind of came to me and I said, yeah, I, that's definitely where, where I would go. And then I actually haven't talked to you basically about that you know, what your conversations with Chad were. And, and I kind of got through the grapevine that you're going to be going there that you've, mm-hmm. you've booked, you told me that. So I guess kind of take me through that process. Like, first of all, I guess if anybody's going out there to hunt to Iowa, how are you doing your due diligence? Other, I mean, I know you asked me, but other than that, like, like, how are you like kind of narrowing down where you want to go? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a great question. And it's certainly, a very important tag and uh i obviously respected your opinion greatly because um you know i've this would be uh this will be year four so if i draw it took four years to draw that tag and what was interesting was um with exodus we do the whitetail crib series and the last i don't know probably three years in march we have made a tour um, across all of the major um 
big buck areas of Iowa. And for whatever reason, last trip, just about every single one was an outfitter of some sort. And so I was kind of asking questions and, um, you know, like, you know, just, just doing some discovery questions to figure out, is this where I want to park for, you know, a tag like this? And so I've talked, I mean, in terms of like interview, (laughs) uh, different people, probably in the five to 10 range. Okay. Even in the last two years. And then as I went to college in, um, in Clinton, Iowa, there's some places that I could at least crash, but not necessarily any premier farms to hunt. And, uh, so that's kind of where, yeah. So I just, I, t- I try to turn over every stone and just try to gather as much information and options so I could make the best decision in my opinion. That totally makes sense. Now, when in your head, when you're looking for that, like, I'm going to go to Chad's or I'm going to go to X place, like, what is that piece of information that you're looking for or is there that like, yep, it took you over the edge. Like that's where I'm going. Like what has it, what, what does it have to be? It's a mix of a lot of things. If some guy says that we have a hundred percent shot opportunity and everything's great and we see nothing but giant deer, like, you know, we've all probably done some asking and it's like, when it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If they right. say like, you know, if, if you go in there and you hunt hard and we have these, you know, most people have an opportunity and, uh, you know, availability, I think is another thing. If they say that our books are wide open, I'm like, well, why are they wide open? You know? Sure. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's like kind of all these different discovery questions. And then in terms of like what pushes me over the edge, it's, it's a people business, just like anything else. And, um, uh, obviously Jack came from your recommendation and then I talked to him on the phone twice and, you know, he's a straightforward and he said that he was you know willing to work around a little bit with, uh, with the schedule. And so he just, I don't know, it's, uh, pretty good gut feeling. He, he sold that zone in my opinion and, um, obviously could still hunt other places if I don't fill my tag there. But, um, you know, I have every hope and intention that that's the case. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I, I don't even know what it would be for me. Like if going somewhere, like I, I agree with you on a lot of that, like hundred percent success rate, like, you know, it's, it's, is it too good to be true or how many guys are they putting in the stands before you exactly. get there? It's kind of like, you know, I was one thing because like with Chad, he only takes a select few of guys, you know, and, and he, he doesn't overhunt things. He's a very smart hunter and he's a very smart guy when it comes to like, okay, we got to lay off this area and we're, or we're not going to touch this until you know, such and such time. Like he's very smart with that. And I can, I can say that because I'm, I'm, I'm on a personal level with Chad. Like I've known him for years now and I can like really vouch for like, you know, he does that stuff the right way. And a Mm -hmm. lot of outfitters out there, I think really probably more than, than not, they abuse. I I hate to say that, but they abuse uh, a lot of that. I would think. Yeah. And the other thing too, that comes to mind is, a lot of times when I'm when we were at these places and they were telling us about all the big deer they killed and they weren't showing me any pictures of their clients of what they killed <laughs> yeah. and it's like you're going after like the top tier animal and I want to go like don't don't do me any favors on the price don't do me anything like you know just put me on the best animal that that you can because that's that's what my goal is uh, yep. not to say you know that's going to vary based on the trip but uh, th- that always kind of is like another red flag for me. Like they just show through their iPhone, like, Oh, I killed this deer, this deer, this deer. And then that was another thing Chad said, like, I haven't killed a deer in four years because I'm too busy running clients or helping them or, or it's the age class in, or the, the size of deer that he yeah. uh, wants to shoot. 
Literally, Chad hasn't picked up his bow. I I honestly don't think it's been six years. He has not hunted one time. Like he he's got two sons, Matthew and Bo. Bo is a younger Matthew. He's in college now, and he can kind of do his own thing. Bo, he's like just getting into like high school, and he kind of you know Chad still wants to get out there, and he sits with him a lot, films him and everything. Um, but yeah, when he gets clients in, like it's clients are nothing. You know, he's he's working for you guys. Like he's. He wants you guys to have the best, or his clients to have the best experience, which is which is awesome. So um, mm-hmm. their whole family is great. His wife Jamie, she's awesome. Um, they got a daughter and two sons. They're all great. Matthew helps out a lot too with uh, getting hunters out and everything, and kind of guiding. It. And Matthew, this kid, Matthew, he I think he just finished his first year of college, and he's I mean he's killed bigger deer than anybody I've ever known. Like he's you know, in the seventies and eighties, got a multiple deer in the seventies, like with his bow and he does it all himself. It's, he's just one of those kids, man, that he just gets it. Um, and obviously he does live in Iowa, so that helps too. But, uh, you know, he gets his own farms too. He doesn't hunt like the outfitted farms. He, he told his dad, he's like, I want to do this myself, you know, and, and he went and did it himself. So it's pretty cool to see. That's really cool. And another thing too, was with having, you know, going into this year with four points, basically, or, or after, you know, when I applied, I had four preference points. Um, the other thing too, is like, I felt like I should try to draw on one of those harder to draw units yeah. um, rather than going on the, like the Northeastern part of the state, which seems to be, uh, getting more attention and, and more people are, are going there. Yep. And I heard the Northeast is pretty easy to get a tag, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, two or three points in the past. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's why it's probably getting overpopulated too, right? I mean, a lot of people are going there, I hear, of up in that northeast section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's all bluff country along the Mississippi. It's it's beautiful, um, but I felt committed to go to south-central Iowa. Yep, perfect. So to go back to you, you kind of briefly hit on your goals. What are your goals? Like if you draw this <laughs> tag, like what is it? Age structure, uh, uh, a score, like what is it, man? I don't know because – I always usually go pretty lofty on those and then it's like, okay, well, let's be, you know, you have, you have to have realistic expectations for what's going on right then. And I don't, I don't know as crappy as an answer that is. I don't know. I go back and forth. It's like, it's probably going to be more of an age thing than anything. Um, They're pretty realistic. Like if, if I saw an old gnarly buck that didn't score that much, I have no issue shooting that deer. Um, Or if it's a, beautiful clean four or five year old not don't really have a huge issue with that too so i right. guess yeah i don't know it's in i'll tell you this if you ask anyone what their goals are in june and then you ask them what they are in the fourth week week of october they probably <laughs> drop 20 inches so i'm not even gonna be that guy right now 20 inches and two years younger <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's uh it's tough to predict right now i mean it'll be interesting to see like obviously hopefully there's no like EHD outbreak this summer and uh, it'll be dependent on like what Chad's sending or what he has on camera and just kind of going out there to enjoy it. Don't, I don't want to set expectations. I just want to go out there and have a great time and uh, hopefully come back with a buck. For sure. Now I, I, not to beat around like my trip or anything, but I kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit. Like when I was going out to Iowa, um, that was my first time hunting out in Iowa. And honestly, my goals were the first one is I had to be a four year old. Um, I can kill two and three year olds here in Michigan. I wanted to kill a four year old. Uh, so that was like criteria number one. And the second one was, I told Chad, I said, 
you know, I, I want to kill a 140. Like that was my goal. Um, and he's like, don't kill a 140. He's like, you'll like push it up to like 150. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, D- you're, you're, ki-. I said, you're, you're high. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> like this, this doesn't happen, but you got to understand like Chad, like his 140s are like my 115s and 120s, you know, yeah, you see them pretty a dime frequently. A dozen, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and and I'm like, Chad, you gotta, you gotta be in my shoes. I'm coming from Michigan here. You know, I've killed some great bucks, but nothing like to the caliber of you have. And, um, and then like the floodgates open and I just see, seen every big mature deer in the section. It seemed like, mm-hmm. but, uh, that was kind of my goal. Um, and obviously have a, have a good experience, but also you got to put into pr- perspective, this is a four year tag. You know, you've been waiting for this. You have, you know, 50, what is it? $52 a point. So you have up to 60 now. I think 60 something. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have over, you know, $400 and just points before you Mm -hmm. can even go hunting. And then your tag is like, you got almost a thousand dollars wrapped up and you haven't even started driving to Iowa yet. You know? So it's like, you got to put that in perspective as well of like, now I'm not saying go out there and just like shoot a basket rack either, but like, you know, I mean, you want a good experience, but you know, you got to put that in perspective, I would think. Yeah, and I guess uh, you kind of highlighted the importance of taking the lead on on whoever uh, is taking you under their wing as well. They know the area. They're, I mean, they were born and raised. They run the cameras there. They dri- they're the ones driving around, seeing deer uh, throughout the entire summer. Like, definitely, I think it's important to kind of take their lead and say this is uh, realistic for the area and uh, current conditions. Yep. So, do you, okay, I guess the over lining theme here or the the question is like are do you think you're going to draw i mean it's i hear all these guys in kansas not drawing yeah. now because they had more applicants i think iowa might be the same thing so like mm-hmm. i drew with three going to four like you have right now do you think you're going to draw i don't know i mean last year i put in for kansas and uh the guy i was going with he's like oh man it's like a 90 something percent draw I didn't draw. <laughs> and then this year Oh really? Yeah, and then I did draw Kansas this year. So if I don't draw, that's okay. I I kind of I don't know. I don't want to like self-sabotage or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if I don't based on how Kansas went for a lot of people this year. And and that's that's okay. I mean, honestly, if I did Kansas, Illinois, and Iowa in the same year, that would be pretty crazy and pretty hectic as well. <laughs> so yeah, for if sure. we have if we have to spread those out a little bit, I'm not going to complain really. Yep. So I guess you know, when I got my tag and it was like, okay, you drew Iowa, it was a total different game changer for me. So you really haven't hit that yet. But like, what's your thought process right now? If let, let's speak hypothetically that you are going to draw, like, what is your thought process right now to get ready for this trip? Because I mean, this is a big one. I mean, this is mm-hmm. Iowa. This is four years in the making. You've never done it. For me, it was growing up watching everybody out there kill big deer, and it was like a pipe dream almost. Like, is it kind of the same thing for you? Yeah, I mean, it's. I totally agree with that because it's definitely a special tag and special. I mean, this like this the time you have invested, the money you have invested, and then obviously uh, some level of expectations as well. So it's. I have yeah, like I don't know if I have drew yet, but in terms of like preparing, it's not too much. Like I can imagine going from Michigan to Iowa is like however X percent better from Illinois to Iowa. It's still an improvement, but I don't know how much it really is. And then I get, um, I get pretty like a, a, a tunnel vision in Illinois too, whenever I find some big deer too. So then I'm <laughs> yeah. like getting into like the snafu of what if, 
what if this deer is still around at this time and I'm supposed to go to Iowa and they're like, I have to prioritize Iowa because I'll be able to hunt Illinois next year too. So that's, um, that's kind of what's going through my mind right now to be completely honest is like, how am I going to allocate my time for all this? Yep. Now in a, I, you might have the date solidified already with Chad. I'm not sure, but like, when is your perfect time? Like, when do you want to go or when are you going to go? So Chad told me what time I can't go. So, um, I'm kind of, it's somewhat of a flex schedule right now. And that was the other thing too, why I decided to put in for that zone. I said, I know you're probably close to book, but what availability do you have if I draw? And then he kind of told me, so I, I love the last week of October, like the last seven days of October. Yep. And I also love that in Illinois. So I'm hoping that transfers to Iowa, but that would be one time that I have penciled in. And then possibly, uh, as soon as the Illinois shotgun season is done, which is the third Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, of the month, maybe head to Iowa after that too. Cause he sounds like he had some uh, flexibility on both those times. So it, uh, I'm not sure. And if, if he had flexibility where I could buzz out there with a cold front, uh, that, <laughs> yep. that would be fantastic too, but I don't expect them to, to accommodate to me too much. Yep. I, I definitely get that. I, I was there the second through the seventh. I killed on the seventh mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, I hit the peak rut those six days or whatever it is, five days I hit peak rut. I mean, it was nonstop juggernaut. Like you're in uh NFL four quarter game, like every day, it -hmm. was unbelievable. I don't know if I could have hit it any better. Um, and then I ended up killing him on the seventh, but we had a big cold front coming in that week as well. So it was like a culmination of like getting progressively colder to like Mm -hmm. a 30 degree drop in temp the day that I killed him. So it was, it was crazy. And I killed him midday. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it was. That's, that sounds incredible. I hope, isn't that crazy though? When, like when you plan trips, like there is, you're just hoping that that weather cooperates because it wasn't probably long after that. It got hotter than Hades in November. It, yeah. And honestly, what it was is we were in Kansas and Casey was hunting in Kansas. Him and I both had tags in Kansas as well. And we were just getting our tail whooped in Kansas and it was warm. Um, I mean, it was like, it was terrible. We weren't seeing shooters, mature deer at all. And I called Chad and I'm like, Hey, what's, you know, what's the movement looking up there? I think I called him on the November 1st or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to get here. If you guys, we're only two and a half hours away. He's like, you need to come up here right now. He's like, it's going to turn on the next three days. And we, I literally got off the phone, told Casey, he's like, all right, let's pack up. Let's go. And we packed up, drove through the night there, got there, started hunting the night of the second. And then we hunted every day, almost all day, the whole whole six days and it never stopped. I mean, Chad was right. It was, it was stupid. Yeah, man, that, that sounds, it sounds, when you think of Iowa and you think of the dream hunt for a white tail hunt, it sounds like you, you hit the nail on the head there. It was a dream hunt for sure. I don't know if I'll ever, ever, uh, compare to that. And honestly, the closest I've ever come before to that, and I didn't even have a bow in my hand. I was filming, but, uh, back in 2013, we were in Illinois on our lease and, the first 14 sits that I was filming someone, I saw 140-inch deer bigger every sit, and they were all different deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, really cool to me. Like, and they were rutting. They were going, like, crazy. And, um, yeah, I it I, that would be, like, the next best thing. <laughs> but I didn't have a bow in my hand. So, <laughs> so no, it was pretty cool, though. That's exciting. Uh, that has yeah. me that has me even more amped now. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you probably want to change your time if you if you can. <laughs> yeah, well that unfortunately he's like, Man, we're booked out. He said the uh like the first through the the tenth were pretty much 
booked out. And I was like, well, I, it's my fault for not being as decisive as I needed to be. Um, and then I was just like, well, if I don't draw this year, it's really not the end of the world. Cause then obviously I'll, I'll take your experience in, in consideration and try to schedule something closer to that time. Yeah. And I, I will say though, that 10 through 20 or that 10 through 18 time frame right there, when mm-hmm. we left, we got, we, uh, we kind of kept in contact with some of the guys that were in camp that Chad was outfitting. And there was two deer that were kind of frequenting the farm that I was hunting. And then one of Chad's farm, like almost not a mile away, but like pretty close. Like I'd say a half mile, like they were, the bucks were traveling and one, one guy shot a big eight that I was, I was trying to kill as well. Um, and they were moving. So, I mean, the, the, the movement still was ramped up for like the next five to eight days that I know of that, um, so I, I wouldn't say that's bad at all. Kansas is not is the same thing. Like if I'm going to Kansas, I'm picking that like 12 through 22, like mm-hmm. November. That's what I'm doing. Like right before Thanksgiving in Kansas, it seems like in my experience, that's when it's hot. Like 14, 15, hold on to your hat. You better get, have your ass in a seat and be ready for a buck to come by on a doe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my experience. Man, yeah. that's it, Here in Illinois, it's – there's always a couple dates that always pop out and um, that like 24, 25, 26 of October has always been really good of either giant deer showing up or kind of um, showing up on community scrapes. And then in terms of November, it's really hard to pick a bad day. Sometimes it feels like, unless it's, <laughs> unless it's one of those excruciating days where you don't see much and you're just in the wrong spot. Um, right. But I guess, let me ask you this, where you're at in zone four, is it an area where you can see a good distance and adjust or, what was that like? Yes. Um, if you can, it's it, in some areas, it's pretty hilly. Um, mm-hmm. but you can, for the most part, you can see a ways like that was the good thing. And that's something I would say And like, Chad will have you all dialed up. I mean, but he'll, he'll also take input and, and, and you guys can definitely bounce ideas off each other, but that, that is, it might sound very elementary, but my whole game plan going into, the Hambino was, I want to get on the highest point where I can see the farthest and I'm going to sit there for a day or two and I'm going to move. And I sat there for four days and eventually moved. And that's when I killed him. But it was just like that, like sit from afar, you know, and, and, and really like take it all in and then strike when the time's right. And that's what we did. And it, and it happened like that day. Um, So, but yeah, you can, if you get on a high point, you can see a ways. I mean, it's farm country for sure. I mean, there's ag, ag for that. I mean, as far as the eye can see, but there's some good bottoms. There's some good cedar thickets. There's some good cedar bowls. Um, Chad's got some unbelievable farms that are like have cedar bowls. And, and it's just like literally a patch of cedars that's in the middle of, you know, a, a, a section that has ag all around it. And it's just thick cedars. And man, <laughs> I mean, if you can get an all day sit in, that's what I recommend too. sitting all day. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can take it, sit all day and it'll happen. It, I always say like you park your ass in a tree. I don't care what tree it is. Um, as long as you know that there's deer around the area and in the rut in Iowa somewhere, if you sit there long enough, it might be boring as hell, but you're going to get a, a chance at a, at a decent buck. I really mm-hmm. believe that. Um, but yeah. So- so when you did those four day sits, did you sit dark to dark in the, like the same tree or did you move around at all? So I only sat two trees. Um, so the second, third, fourth, fifth, 
I sat one stand the whole time, all day. Um, we came out, we would come out for like an hour or two in the midday and then we'd be right back in. It was, we'd leave everything in the tree. Mm-hmm. We were going in and out. And the good thing about that tree was we had great entry and exit. Uh, it was bulletproof. And what made it bulletproof is because where the food and the bed were, we had two different entry and exit routes where we could choose for when we saw all the deer go by, you know, then we could go out the back door. Or if they didn't go by, then we'd go out the front door, if, you know. And um, we could see a long way, though. I mean, that was really beneficial to have that. Uh, you Usually, I don't really like to hunt a tree that much like that, but we, we weren't getting busted or nothing. Um, we had great wind. That was the other thing. We had great wind for like six days in a row. It was pretty consistent. Um, and then when he showed his face, and we decided to make the move. We did it and ended up killing him at 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, like a midday um, on the 7th of November. It's funny you say the November 7th because we just recorded uh, with Don Higgins last week uh, when I was out in Ohio. And uh, that was that's the day most Boone and Crockett deer are killed. Um, no kidding. Out of, out of any day in the year, yeah. So uh, wow. I would say it's no coincidence there. That is crazy. <laughs> that is nuts. What – so – I have this question and I, I thought of this this morning and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. This is kind of a transition here and something different. I, so I feel like Iowa has this unwritten standard that, you know, you have to shoot a mature buck or you'll get bashed for it. You know what I mean? Like you have to shoot a big deer or you just have to, it has to be the upper echelon. The bigger deer need to be coming out of what Iowa, I feel like mm-hmm. now do you feel like that's a good thing or a bad thing? Or, and do you feel that same way? Hmm. Well, I, I would say it's definitely a touchy subject. Um, I would say it's dependent on whatever the person thinks. And also, um, I guess they shouldn't care about my opinion, but I would say it's probably not a bad thing for the state of Iowa. Um, cause that means that people who are, you know, the barrier to entry to even go hunt in Iowa is already high. Um, so I think that automatically makes people have an elevated, um, goal just in general. Yep. So I, I would say the state has actually done, you know, they've clearly done the best job at managing their deer herd for trophy whitetails. So it's like really tough, whatever the, um, kind of like vibe is over there. It's certainly working. So <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I can't really critique it. I, and I would say too, like, yeah, I mean, I've been going to Iowa and I have the expectation to hopefully kill something solid, but I, let's put it this way. If it's like day eight, I'm not going to go shoot a two year old or something like that. Right. Yep. That makes total sense. And I just, I, I always look at that, like, you know, people that live in Iowa that hunt Iowa, uh, do they feel like they are held to a standard? Cause they're from Iowa, you know, and that's mm-hmm. a question I like to ask people from Iowa. It's like, do you feel like you're held to a standard? Do you feel like that you have to kill, you know, 150 or 160 or even bigger to even be accepted, which sucks. You know what I mean? Like that really does because I don't feel like that's the goal. Like I, I don't want it to be the goal. I mean, yeah, big deer are great. Trust me. I love them. Like I love chasing them, love getting an opportunity at them. But that experience for me, man, is like just going out and having those six days. Yes, I did kill the biggest deer of my life, but if I wouldn't have, man, I had the best six days still of my life uh, seeing just huge, giant, mature deer and seeing them, you know, seeing big bucks do big buck things was really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the probably the most common thing we always hear from people that go and visit Iowa is like, man, it's so nice for deer to do what they're supposed to. Uh, yeah, when they come from a more pressured state. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it, that I I agree with that. Like you know, come from Michigan. It's like, man, you look at an area and it's like, well, the deer should be doing this, but they do not. Then you go out to Illinois, Kansas, Iowa, you know, Ohio, even some of those states. And it's like, they do those things. So that's how, like when I leave Michigan and go hunt somewhere else, I throw basically everything that I do in Michigan out the window Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just like adapt. You know, if you can't adapt to a situation, I feel like um, you might have a tough road to hoe. If, if, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, if that seems to be the the case for most people who are able to go to any state and drag out a big deer, and they are always optimizing for the the terrain and the type of pressure that they're hunting, um, and that's something that I don't have a ton of experience with. Where I'm at in Illinois, there's a lot of different topography, but I would say that the pressure is pretty well even across the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, you certainly have to adapt. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Do you have any scenarios in the past where you've had to really adapt, like a 180? of like to, to get a, get a deer on the ground and it happened? <sighs> um, yeah, yes and no. Um, one that comes to mind is, which I bet I call Iowa, like Illinois has pockets of Iowa, if that makes any sense. Um, yep. there's, there's certain like two or three square mile areas that feel like Iowa in terms of like density of deer, quality of deer and pressure. And this farm reminded me of a mini pocket of Iowa and it was mainly ag with little fingers and ditches. And there was literally one tree I could be in, uh, that would be on the property and, um, you know, have enough cover and everything. So I adjusted, went and hung a stand. And then I shot a buck that night, <laughs> you know, like really? going over there. Yeah. And so that was the second year I hunted that farm and I hunted the other side of the farm too. Cause it's like, this looks more convenient for me. But then once I adjusted for what was going on, it, it certainly paid off. Um, so, what, so that has me excited about Iowa. Cause I'm sure the terrain is very similar to what this farm was. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like that. If, if I'm picturing your terrain, the same as what I know of Chad's area. Now, how much merit do you put into first time in is the best time in? I do. I, I obviously put a lot of merit in that. And that's just simply from personal experience and also from, you know, all the people that I certainly respect their opinions. Um, this particular scenario, I took the set down and then I went and rehung it. So it was like the second or third sit in there. Okay. Um, but then I'm thinking of the two oldest deer that I ever killed. And those are both, both, uh, first sit hunts. So it's like kind of hard to argue that. Was that like a hanging hunt kind of thing or, you know, like going with a stand on your back and like, just pick a spot. Like, I think, you know, this is going to be a good area kind of thing or like, how'd that play out? Uh, so I, in 2000. 17 or 18, I think it was, I went and hung a stand the very first part of November. Uh, it was a rainstorm and I wanted to go and set up in this area. So I went and hung a stand and had it ready to go for the next, and I had to hunt it on like a East Northeast wind, which is obviously kind of rain, uh, rare. So I had it all set up and then November 10th, uh, cold front dropped, came in a East Northeast wind, went in there and then shot a seven year old, um, after we sent in the teeth and wow. then, yeah. And so that was a really cool hunt. And that was like the very first sit and uh, it was kind of it just worked out and then another scenario it would have been two seasons ago um it was a farm i was hunting and i hung a set like in late october uh similar very similar type deal where it's like 
I'm gonna go. I'm already gonna hang this stand, so I might as well hunt it tonight with almost zero expectations. But it was more like getting it set up for next time. Um, and then that was also like a weird uh, east wind as well. And I was on a cliff, and it was November third, and I went and killed a deer that was uh, super old. Sent his teeth in. They came back ten and a half years old. So that was the holy first, like, cow. Yeah, like the true first like I would say f- uh, first sit, but the stand was hung. Uh, just it's so hard to freaking hang stands in the dark in the morning. Oh. <laughs> I've never had success with that, so that's kind of what the plan was there. <laughs> I agree, man. Like last year, I really I've dabbled in like the hang and hunt kind of thing in the past. Like my mobile hunting was like, you know, like the Hambino, like you know, sit in a set stand, like hang one, sit it. If I need to move, I'm gonna move and move in. But like actually taking on like the stand on your back, go in, hang it, take it down, move tomorrow or move to another, like. I don't really do that last year i really started doing it i fell in love with it mm-hmm. but i agree man like there's times where there was one scenario in early october that uh when i went into a stand where an area where i wanted to go um stand on my back i we had a really good acorn drop last year and i went by this huge white oak tree and there was sand underneath it because it went underneath a trail like one of our two track trails and there was no tracks added at all. And when I went back through after like a three hour sit, cause I had to kind of go back through that area tracks everywhere. And I'm like, okay, Whoa. I'm going to, I mean, it looked literally looked like there was a herd of deer underneath this Oak tree all night. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to see, I'm going to set up on this. Well, I actually hung the tree that night knowing I was going to hunt it the next morning um, to try to like sneak in like a backdoor kind of thing. And that's what I did because I'm like, gosh, I do not want to hang a stand in the morning. That just does not sound appealing to me. No. So what I do on my family farm around here is like, I'll, I'll set up pre hungs for like good morning spots that I think are good morning spots. And then I'll do like the hang and hunt stuff, uh, for the evenings. Usually that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah. A pretty similar approach as well. Um, it's just so, and I know there's some people that do it, and I don't know how, but um, yeah, after going in super early in the afternoon, hanging a stand, I do that all the time. For those morning, when like you get up there, and then you're like, I can't shoot the way I wanted to shoot, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and then you're sweating, you're making noise, and it's it's tough. Yeah, what what do you say? Are you more of like, do you like more night hunts or morning hunts, like midday? Like what what is your bread and butter? Like what do you like the most? I kill most of my deer in the morning. I don't know if it's by coincidence or what, but I love morning hunts. I love getting, getting in there early and like seeing, aside from hunting picture, I like to see the world wake up and uh, yep. it's, it's always really cool. And usually my best hunts have been in the morning just coincidentally. And I, you know, it just might be the farms that I hunt, but that's, uh, that's how it's shaken out the last few years. Okay. Now what are those, is there any trends to those locations? Like when you're killing those deer in the morning or like, are they more close to bedding early season? Yeah. Like are they most, most of the time edge of bedding? Um, so that's yeah, pretty much always on the edge of bedding. And most of these, uh, successful hunts that come to mind are early November. So it's like, you know, getting in tight to bed, uh, bedding and having the does go in or, or show up eventually. And then bucks going down to, to, Scent check it. It's really not rocket science, but it's worked in yeah. the past. <laughs> how how tight are you getting to these bedding areas when you're setting up? Um, when I shot that seven year old, I was like in in the bedroom. I was super tight. Really, uh, r- right on the edge of it. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was basically on the same ridge, uh, about a third of the way up, or a third of the way down rather. And um, 
trying to think here. Yeah, most of those, yeah, pretty pretty close to the on the edge of betting and just, or on the way to, but I'm not like setting up over a bed, but uh, enough where I feel like I'm in the ball game. So that seven-year-old, like what time of year was that? That was November 10th. Okay, now how did that scenario play out as far as like, was he coming like just scent checking downwind of the bedding area? And then that's when you got an opportunity at him? It was actually kind of a cool story. I hunted this farm by permission forever and it was always like somewhat touch and go so i text like hey can i go hang a stand and they said yeah sure go for it and so i went and hung it as soon as i had that uh and like i said it was set up for like a east northeast wind and then what happened was uh november 10th we had one of those like super crispy 25 30 degree temperature drops yeah and the wind switched and so what happened was you know when i hung that stand i i did a little bit of scouting but it's like this is this is the spot that makes the most sense so um, I was sitting there in the morning and when I walked in, I was actually like hearing grunts. It's like, I knew I was in the game as soon as I got out of my truck and started walking in. <laughs> it's like, you couldn't screw up the hunt to be honest. And so, <laughs> and so I got in there and, uh, the deer came like when to his back and then he was working a scrape and then he was, uh, just, I think probably just cruising from uh, bedding area to bedding area. But what's most interesting with this deer is, um, I hung a camera actually, the day I hung that camp or hung that stand, which was early November. And then I never got a picture of him, but there was a listing for a property not far from here. And I saw that deer on there and I was like, well, that's a solid deer. I'd like to shoot him. And then, um, ended up shooting him. And then I texted the listing agent and I said, Hey, do you have any more pictures of this deer? I killed him this date, sent him a picture that same morning. He was a mile and a half <laughs> on that. Holy farm cow. Yeah, on the opposite direction. He was coming back that morning. So like he covered a bunch of ground in that four or five hours. So it was just, uh, those that he was just on a death wish that day covering a lot of ground. Dude, that right there is, is one thing, if not the biggest thing that like, fascinates me about whitetails you know you could be i i, I kind of go ebbs and flows of trail cams and now mm-hmm. like you know trail cams they could be very rewarding or they could be very like draining like if you really put a lot of emotional thought into them like shit there's no bucks going by here why would i sit here you know mm-hmm. what i mean but the thing is like that thought of getting in the stand that next morning the deer that you killed could be two miles away from you yeah. Who knows, you know? So, like, if you could get over that hump, which I am terrible at it, like getting over the fight, the internal battle with yourself of, like, you know, you just don't know. If I could get over that and just go hunt and, and have fun and not be fighting decisions with myself, I'd have so much more fun, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think I'm overly optimistic. Like, I'll, I'll hear of a deer or, like, find a deer. Like, I'm not in the core area, but... I'm just thinking like, man, he can show up. He showed up once. He'll show up again. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in a, you know, a, a ditch of a field <laughs> for three days solid. Like uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to catch him in between does. Um, you know what, what I get caught up on is like those really out of the box areas. It's like, man, you know, like there's a lone oak tree out in the middle of like a <laughs> 200 acre ag field. It's like, he's going to be there. You know, I'm going to go set a stand up there. You go sit up there like a turd in a punch bowl. And it's like, yeah, you don't see a deer close to you, you know? And it's, it, I just get hung up on those like out of the box. Like it could happen right there. You know, big deer will take does and the rut in these most, most obscure places, you know? And it's just crazy where you can see them just bedded up somewhere. Yeah. I mean, where I'm at, it's, Two miles does not feel far at all uh, for a deer, really, especially that time of year. Yeah, and that's I don't know. I'm usually pretty good at finding a big deer a year, but it's like 
in reality, if you had, if you were in, if we were in Vegas and you had odds of me killing that deer, it'd be a really uh, strong bet for anyone betting against me, not killing it. Meaning like, <laughs> it'd be like one to 10,000 odds. But in my brain, it's like, I have a one in 10 chance. Like I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. And so I burn a lot of time like that, but it's, I don't know. I, that's just I, who I am at a core, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your philosophy as a, as a bow hunter, as far as like, what's your approach to the season? Now I know it's very broad and it changes daily or even, you know, hourly, but like going into each and every season, like kind of what's your, you, 30,000 foot view approach to the season. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing right now I have uh, basically like one decent lease and everything else is by permission. So it's always somewhat kind of uh, shaky to begin with, I would say in terms of like um, knowing for sure of, of when and what I can do. But in terms of the big plan is just using annual trail camera data, which I know we talk about on our podcast all the time. I have just seen yep. it to be so crazy valuable, um, with deer that survive. So a lot of times I'm just, I mean, I run a ton of cameras on a ton of different farms, um, just to spread my net wide. Not that I'm hunting all those that year. Um, so like going into this year, I'm going to go in and basically revisit all these. I have a pot, I have a drawer full of SD cards. I'm going to go through there, jog my memory and, uh, you know, trying to make a, a decision from there, but it's kind of weird. I've, at the same point, I probably fall into the, some of the same habits and, and ruts, no pun intended, um, every single year. <laughs> and I end up hunting a lot of the same farms, like around the same time, just because like, that's when they're good. A lot of these are small parcels. It's not like you can just move around and like, well, if the deer aren't there, go find them. Like, I can't do that. I'll be on the neighbors. So like a lot right. of these, these, a lot of these small farms, they just have a small opportunity of when, like a small window of opportunity. And so I have an idea where each of those are and I'm trying to spend my time there. And then after the farm's crappy, move on to the next one. So I don't know if that helps answer your question at all, but it's, it's somewhat methodical, but at the same time, extremely sporadic with no real sense. I, I sure do, uh, agree with that because that's something as far as like trying to gauge where your farm's at year in and year out. And I know it's really hard for a lot of people to do that because, you know, some people are just travel hunters and it's, you know, you really got to have boots on the ground in the fall to figure out like what they're doing. You know, I have two farms here in Michigan and one farm is dynamite from October 19th to October 25th yeah. for the rut. You know, if, you, I need to be in the stand those days, um, in that, on that farm. And you're going to see the biggest deer. I don't know if you have an opportunity at them, but you'll see the biggest deer, uh, in the, in that farm. Really. I, I couldn't um, agree with that more, especially even down to the dates too. So yes. that's interesting. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll get to the point. I just did a podcast about this last week that I'll get to the point how I kind of figured this out. Uh, and then my family farm literally is not even 15 minutes from this other farm, but two totally different farms. One farm that I need to be hunting in October is farm country. It is little wood lots and little wooded fence rows. And it's like, you can see your dog run away for two days. Um, <laughs> my, my family farm is in the middle, not the middle of a mile section, but it's all big timber. Uh, it's 218 acres and all of its timber, but 60 acres of it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like very sporadic, very like you really got to hone in on where the deer are concentrated and where the most, you know, concentrated deer sign are. Um, and we have a lot of oaks and good oak ears. It's really difficult to hunt. Um, I won't lie to you, but that, is that farm, just because the movement isn't very defined and, and there's food everywhere. Exactly. There, the food is, I mean, everywhere, literally, 
your best option is to like get some buddies and say, Hey, everybody go sit over a certain Oak tree and just see who has the luck, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, it's so sporadic when we have good acorn drops last year was so sporadic and you just kind of, you got to get tight into them too. Like I, you know, I hunted early October last year. I was probably, I was probably 60 yards too far off the bedding and I got, it got dark on me on an, on an opportunity. Oh, no. I, yeah. And it was, it was crazy, but it, it was an eye opener. But, um, kind of to go back to how I, I started figuring this out. I did a podcast last, last week about data that I take, um, about the, the different, different, uh, weather. It's a big spreadsheet I have and it's, mm-hmm. I go down to like how many fawns I see, how many, like what the movement was like. Um, how many does I've seen, how many, you know, good bucks I saw, how like what the barometric pressure was, what day of the week it was, what times it was, you know, what the moon phase was, how much cloud cover there are. I mean, everything. And I've started to realize that I was getting, I still run trail cams. I, I do. I, I love running trail cams, but I started to, to see more, uh, trends quicker i guess if that makes sense with this data that i was taking um and then obviously nothing beats like being in a stand you know so more time in the stand you can see it last year was just another example of like you need to be in the stand the 19th through the 25th you got to do it um and it, it it's hard for me because you know i film for a living so anytime i get to hunt i want to go hunt um so it's really hard for me to be like, well, nothing's really happened in the first couple of days of October. I should really hold off. Normally, I'll be like, uh, curiosity gets the best of me, and I'll just go hunt. But I really need to to pump the brakes on it and and make my my strikes more methodical, if that makes sense, and yeah. and kind of be more efficient. I guess I'm I'm guilty of that as well, for sure. And he always going back to our, our podcast that we recorded with Don. I was like, you've killed. He he's killed four of his best deer in the last four years, and I asked him, "What are you doing differently now?" And he's like, "I'm hunting less." And I was like, "Son of a gun! Like I don't I don't know when <laughs> I don't like that's that makes sense, great, yeah, but like I don't have the thirty years of experience to know when that is. And so like I always struggle with that advice. It's like you'd be like, Don, not, give me the black and white answer. Just give it yeah, to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, tell me when. <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to figure it out. But please, yeah, Sensei, I, please. Yeah, and it's just like continually. I probably overhunt some farms, but then it's like they're only good for a certain time of year anyways. Like right. you said, like you got, you have to strike while it's going to be hot, but then it's like how do you do that methodically with a little bit more precision to actually have more success? I Once you figure that out, let me know. Yeah. Well, one thing that did help out a lot, and I've said it on a couple podcasts now, and is – on my farm that's good in October. It's my one acre farm. Um, one I, acre? I, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have uh it's, it's an 80 acre farm. Well, I, I guess I should rephrase that. It's a, it's an 80 and a 40. Um, it's divided by a dirt road, but the 80 acres is all, uh, ag and it's got one acre of timber on it. Um, and it's got some wooded fence rows that come into it and you'll, you would be, so surprised the caliber of deer that I get on camera in daylight and the deer that I see and have had opportunities at and have been blown opportunities mm-hmm. in Michigan. It's, it's crazy, but is that um, early I, season two, I assume 
it's no? 19th through the 25th. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's it's literally that like I've narrowed it down to that that time frame. Last year I had a buck um a good buck. He's Pope and Young, uh Pope and Young 8-pointer and that's, you know, that's that's an upper that's echelon buck yeah. for yeah. here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um on the 25th, I, I talked about on last podcast. I think it was the 25th or 26th of October. I watched him from the stand um, breed a doe four times, and I watched Whoa. him for thir- 36 hours. I watched him, and he never moved with that doe. Yeah. Wow. In October. Yeah. And Dang. Um, yeah. I've seen one other buck uh, earlier than that breed a doe in Michigan, but it was like it, I've never seen anything before like October 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just uh, – last year I hunted a lot on that farm, and I think that was one of those like – solidifiers like man yeah it's it's true you know and now i'm going to be living over there i'm building a house over there on that farm so i'll be able to see like all around um but it's it's crazy i i feel like you you feel like you get uh, a plan and a pattern and then tomorrow it changes it's Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know the historical data when you brought that up i'm like i want to be better at that like yeah, I believe in it, insane. but I haven't had it happen to me enough to where it was like, yes, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I there's a couple stories that like, wow, that's that's crazy accurate. Um, you'll you'll probably call me a liar, but even last year there was, um, I don't know how old for sure this year was, but um, if I showed you pictures of them and uh, over the years, you'd probably guess seven or eight years old, uh, just based on how many years we had them on camera. But anyways, still really putting annual trail camera data into effect like the last two or three years with some level of efficiency. And yep. I had a bunch of cameras splattered along this field edge. Cause that's about all I could hunt similar. sounds somewhat similar to what you have going on. And in, so in 20 last, so in 2020 and then 2019, so 2019, I, he was in there like the 24th and 25th and then he disappeared for a long time. Um, but the interesting thing was like I had him in the evening, like the, October 24th, October 25th. And then this year, um, and there was also like, you could see like the does, like he would follow the does out to feed in the same field and everything else. So like, there's more than more qualifying data than just like, all right, big deer this date. So there's like all these different things going into these, these card pulls. Cause I had three cameras on one field hatch. Um, <laughs> and so then, uh, 2020, October 23rd, a big buck shows up on the field edge and I'm like, okay, it's time. That's not him. Um, I know this deer's alive. So I had him on in velvet. So then the, um, the 23rd, then tw- I already had a blind set up ready to go. Like based on last year's data, I was in there, and then the 24th, my cell camera goes off. He walked right in front of the other camera oh, on the 23rd. no. <laughs> within five minutes, I swear, within five minutes of the year before, down to the date, like within 80 yards, like so close, and it didn't That happen. is crazy. Yeah, and then so the 25th in 2019, here comes a group of does running, and then here comes this buck after. Okay, so then 2020, I went back and I hunted the same spot. He was in here for two nights. Here's my chance. Let's make it happen. I put a decoy out because he had a lot of aggressive. I have run all my cameras on video. So he's like very aggressive, uh, smashing uh, locust trees, like everything, like, you know, just going crazy. And then so 2020, I was like, I bought a decoy. I put it out and I said, he's going to see this. He's going to get pissed off and it's gonna, I'm going to smoke him. And then what happened was just like 2019, here comes a group of does running, like jogging out into the field to eat. 
and then they see the decoy and they go crazy and they run the other oh. direction and then i got him again <laughs> on the wrong camera and i was like i just suck like th- it worked but i didn't that was my fault so that's like one of the craziest most uh, illustrated stories and the crazy thing is i really thought i'd kill him late season this year but then the rut came and he's been gone since so i don't know what happened oh um, man but yeah that's to me that's it sounds fake but i swear like if i sent you all the files you'd be like wow that's insane that's fascinating because, like, what makes that deer want to be there for those two days or three days? You know? I bet like, it has what to is be it? a doe. Yeah, I think it has to be a doe there. And then because there was another big – this is actually another thing, too. The one that showed up the 23rd was a solid eight-pointer. And then um, – this is a tiny parcel, too. And then uh, in the year prior, so in 2019, same thing, that same eight-pointer showed up on another scrape in the middle of the night, and, like, here he is a year later. So there has to be a doe that comes in the heat uh, – right around that time frame and those bucks are competing for that first yeah goal. that's that's my hypothesis anyways you almost wonder if she's like the you know matriarch doe of your property and like you know she that's her home you mm-hmm. know so which brings the more mature deer like you said she comes into heat first brings the more mature deer i.e competition him, yep exactly around first so yeah that i mean that definitely makes sense for sure Mm-hmm. So I That's found that nuts. to be, yeah. So it's like, you tell that to some people and they're like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, <laughs> so that's, that's a big part of my strategy is like looking at historical data and like this deer lived, check. He was here these dates, check. Um, you know, like uh, similar uh, row crop rotation, check. And then it's like, okay, now it's time yeah. to figure something out. My, my big push the last three years have been cell cams. Um, yeah. they've really helped me out a lot. Uh, and I actually just got a render, um, so I just put that out and, and plant or using that a little bit. I'm actually using it as a surveillance camera right now, but, nice. uh, <laughs> it'll be, site? yes, <laughs> nice. Solid. it is. Um, so that thing has been awesome and I'm, I'm getting ready to take it down here soon. Um, and, uh, put it out in the timber. Cause I like getting cameras out just after 4th of July. I, I, I mean, I can see antlers being grown right now, but it's like, it's fun, but it's like, man, I, I want to start seeing distinct figure or uh, sure. distinct attributes that they've had. And I've got three bucks that I'm looking for that I know. Well, I don't know, but I I haven't confirmed that died last year that were shooters last year. So I'm excited to see if they made it through, if they're around, and see how big they are. <laughs> yeah, so. that's that's what we're all that's what we're all waiting for for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I've used obviously a lot of cell cameras, and they're amazing. Um, I, I'm still a sucker for like the lift tubes with video though. <laughs> like I really, I, yeah, I just love those so much because you can just gather. So, you know, put it on 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And I just think over the years of like all the cool stuff that I've picked up on that you yeah. wouldn't get from a, just a cell camera picture. But yeah, I'm certainly monitoring a lot of farms with cell cameras and they're certainly useful. So, but, um, this past year was one of the first years I kind of had a semi level of mass deployment and they're, they're sweet, man. It's just nice to even see what's going on in different farms. Like what's the movement beyond yep. of uh, trying to figure something out for a hunt. That's what I like about them is that, you know, the, when you get it to your, your phone, it's instant. And it's like, what, what's going on right now? Why is he moving right now? You know, and you look up mm-hmm. the weather, what, what's going on right now. And it's, it's the, the information is so like, real time that i'm just like man it just it it helps me be a smarter hunter quicker yeah. you know yeah I, I feel like humans will are going to become more efficient not because of the real-time data like in the raw sense but in terms of like uh being able to correlate things quicker like it's right. tough it's tough for you to get out like how many people are actually 
pulling their camera, pulling out a spreadsheet and then like, Oh, all right, let's go to weather underground. Let's write down all these different factors where with the cell camera, it's like, Oh, it is windy as hell. And I don't have any pictures. It's like, okay, right. that means that, you know? So exactly. I think it, it should be really interesting to see how that evolves over time. Yeah. I'm excited for it. So, well, cool, man. I, I think we're going to wrap it up here. We're up on an hour and I appreciate you coming on and doing this for sure. Um, Hopefully you draw Iowa and Casey draws Iowa and we can spend camp together in Iowa this year and do another podcast. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. We'll have to get you on the Exodus podcast for sure. Hopefully it works out. And uh, if not, I'm sure our paths will cross eventually too. And I certainly yeah. appreciate the invite. No problem. Uh, take take a little second here to uh, kind of hit everything that you're doing and where everybody can find you and what uh, what you got going on. Yeah, so you can find Exodus at exodustrailcameras.com. Um, all our socials, Exodus Trail Cameras and everything else. And then you go over to our YouTube. Uh, we're cranking out a ton of uh, content. And we're, we just went over our schedule last week. Very exciting. We have um, Whitetail Cribs um, every single Wednesday at noon Eastern. And then we have a lot of just different informational type of videos uh, getting pumped out. So that's that's exciting. Our podcast is every Tuesday. And you can find me on Instagram at just at Jake Hofer. So um, certainly appreciate uh, the time and I'm excited. I'm even more excited for Iowa. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no problem, I'm anxious <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, let's stay in touch, man. Thank you very much again. And I, I greatly appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Thank you very much, Jake, for coming on and doing this. Greatly appreciate it, man. I'm going to leave you guys with what I leave you with every week. And I'm going to tell you to go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a written review. That is greatly appreciated. Thank you for all the support and all the downloads. And don't forget, we'll be right back here next week on the Fall Podcast. Podcast.